0: Ultrasound Gel Podcast Ultrasound Gel Podcast Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. I'm Mike Pratts and today I am lucky enough to be joined by my good friends Cray Bolger and Jacob Avila.
1: Hey Mike. YOLO.
0: YOLO. That'll come into play later. And it's not You Only Live Once. Spoiler. Today, special treat, something never before discussed on this podcast, possibly any podcast. We're talking about ultrasound artificial intelligence, or deep learning. The article title is Creation and Testing of a Deep Learning Algorithm to Automatically Identify and Label Vessels, Nerves, Tendons, and Bones on Cross-Sectional Point-of-Care Ultrasound Scans for Peripheral Intravenous Catheter Placement by Novices. This was in the Journal of Ultrasound in Medicine, March 2020. Now, guys, this is about deep learning. Deep learning is actually just a branch of artificial intelligence. So they're talking about artificial intelligence for learning ultrasound and interpreting ultrasounds. This is a crazy idea. Deep learning means that you are feeding Lots and lots of images into a computer algorithm that then can subsequently learn to interpret it on its own. So there's so much potential for this in point of care ultrasound. And in fact, there's a lot that's already being done with artificial intelligence in this field. You may have seen things that can automatically calculate ejection fractions or b lines there's a lot of really interesting stuff out there but there's not a lot of studies on it we don't actually know how good this stuff is yet so this is the first article i saw that actually finally moves towards a clinical experience with artificial intelligence it's not it's not there yet but at least it takes the step of asking a clinical question because it's trying to say can artificial intelligence or deep learning algorithms help us learn how to do ultrasound guided vascular access so the first step in that process is determining if this deep learning can accurately label all of the structures that you see on an upper extremity cross-sectional imaging so that's what they're asking in this study and really it's going to open up a whole host of opportunities for deep learning in point-of-care ultrasound so super excited for this so jacob how did they tackle this
1: question is there a superficial learning and is there a like middle learning like how do you go from learning to deep learning are there grades
0: that's a really profound question you don't have to put that in the podcast i'm just <laughs> like, i am going to, really It's too late it's too late <laughs> Yeah. Superficial learning turned out to be not as helpful in machines. They kind of just forgot it easily.
1: There's probably less epochs. So um, so I, I feel, guys, I feel like there's a few things that I know well. Um, I know um, Star Wars trivia fairly well. I understand how bikes work because I like bikes. And I know ultrasound. What I do not know very well is I do not understand computer speak very well, but I will tell you what I understood from reading this. Um, I mean, it was a very well-written method section. It's just probably about 97% of the words they used, I don't know what any, I didn't have to, have, had to look them up or I didn't know what they meant, but I'll, I'll try my best. So what they did was they got these images, um, clips, and they got them from the internet. Um, They used image banks. they looked at internet posted videos, vendor videos, and they analyzed uh, MSK clips, soft tissue clips, vascular access clips, and regional anesthesia ultrasounds. They imported 183,000 images into this data set, and they used this open source video labeling software that was called CVAT, which stands for Computer Vision Annotation Tool. Um, They use this software to label blood vessels, nerves, bones, and tendons um, using this box thing that like cars do when they're doing self-driving that everybody knows about apparently. It's that
0: thing that when you're on a, uh, you're watching a crime TV show and they're analyzing people for facial recognition, it puts like that little rectangle around their face. It looks just like that.
1: It's called yeah, it's it's bounding boxes. That's what they used. And then they use this YOLO v3 deep learning algorithm um, to actually kind of train this person's computer to do it. And to clarify, this is not v2 or v1. This is v3. And it's not you only live once, it's you only look once. And it is, of course, as I mentioned, version three so what they did was they actually figured out a way to train it using a very high-tech computer and they had four different training um, methods to kind of teach the machine so i guess it'd be like four different schools for the machine to go to and they compared it to some ultrasound experts now in order to teach the machine Overall, the over you know the overlord of ultrasound, who I'm assuming was the primary author, was the one that initially labeled them as you know tendon, um, blood vessel, uh, nerve, or bone. Um, initially, as kind of like the gold standard.
0: Yeah. So somebody had to meticulously comb through each frame or each couple of frames of these images that they collected from everywhere and make sure those boxes were correctly labeling the right anatomy. So that's a lot of work that went into it. And that became like the the answer key, like the master that was used to train somebody, train this computer to say like, this is a blood vessel, this is a bone. And then from now on, label anything that looks like that as such. So that's how they sort of went through the training.
1: So after they trained the machine using these four different kinds of schools of training, they then picked 50 test ultrasound stills, and they compared the machine's four different schools at identifying what the structures were compared to two different ultrasound experts. So not the person who made it the gold standard, but two different people. Um, And that's what they were looking at. What is the accuracy of the four different schools of teaching the deep learning that the machine did versus the two ultrasound experts? Man versus machine.
2: For identification of all structures, blood vessels, nerves, tendons, and bone, the area under the curve for the top expert was 0.71 with a confidence interval of 0.64 to 0.79. The top um, algorithm from deep learning had an area under the curve of 0.78 with a confidence interval of 0.71 to 0.85. So fairly comparable between the two. Um, And in fact, the machine actually did a little bit better. Uh Uh-oh. Our jobs are all in jeopardy. (laughs) So some limitations of the study. So they were only using static images to test both the algorithm and the experts, which especially with a novice may not be possible if they don't know where to freeze the image for the algorithm to pick up. Um, Algorithms that can function on live images Um, Probably have a little bit more clinical utility, especially with novice scanners. Um, Also these images were optimized. They were not, or were most likely optimized as they were posted on the internet. Um, They were likely obtained by experts. They're being used by vendors, so they're not going to pick the worst quality images to typically put out into the internet for medical use and for educational use. And so the question comes up is what if there's abnormal pathology like a hematoma, an injury, a uh, fistula, those kind of things that naturally do occur in our patient populations. And what if the images were poor quality? What if the depth is at 12 and they're using a curvilinear probe for a forearm, which a novice scanner might do, um, or the gain is too much or too little. And so I think, applying these algorithms in less-than-ideal images and abnormal settings is really important to see how accurate they are.
0: Now, although the machine may have beaten the expert for the primary outcome of looking at everything, in a subgroup analysis, if you looked at just the vessels alone, because in vascular access, that is where the focus will be, the expert came out on top with an AUC of 0.85 0.85 compared to the deep learning of 0.83. So I think it's one-to-one. Now, Craig, that's a really good point about the machine may not be able to understand some of the intricacies and unpredictable nature of each individual anatomy and pathology. I guess you'd have to really feed it a ton and ton of images to make sure that you Capture all of those possibilities. It's interesting because in the study they compared like a lots of different training algorithms. Like Jacob said, there was different numbers of data that you could give the machine to see if it trained it better or worse. And feeding it the highest number of those epochs actually did not result in the best results. It was the the third one, which was fifty four. That was actually the best. DL algorithm compared to all the others and compared to the experts. So that's interesting. I don't know enough about deep learning to make sense of that. Hopefully that'll guide people going forward in designing their own deep learning algorithms and knowing how to train it.
2: I think one thing that needs to be taken away is even though the machines are performing really well and we see, we're see we seeing a lot of new AI coming out in ultrasound technology. And I think um, from a vendor standpoint, it's a great selling, you know, like this can do these things for you and reduce your workload and yada, da, 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 right? Like that's a great used car salesman type pitch, right? Like these things are amazing and it's got all the new bells and whistles and da, da, da. I think the caution needs to be made that even though AI is great and can be a great adjunct to our clinical practice, you have to, as with anything, take AI into clinical context and with a grain of salt. If you're applying AI blindly without some, at least some baseline knowledge of ultrasound and your patient and the general image modality, that you can misinterpret AI and blindly applying AI without um, asking, is this accurate? Does this make sense? Can be really dangerous. Um, We've seen this with EKGs where you know, one misplaced lead, and all of a sudden, your 20-year-old pre-op patient now is getting has a STEMI, and that would be a really bad plan to send that patient to the cath lab when it doesn't make sense. And I think the same thing is true with ultrasound, is that we have to interpret these um, computer algorithms with a grain of salt and ask ourselves, does this make sense for my patient?
0: And along those same lines, the computer can only at best accurately identify things it's not going to be able to assist with the remainder of the vascular access procedure so it's only part of the picture and i think maybe it's the potential to help people who have trouble with that but Is that going to result in a well done vascular access? I'm not sure. I think you have to take these skills all together and in training somebody to perform a peripheral IV or central vascular access, they kind of need to know how to recognize things but also how to guide a needle and to confirm placement. There's a lot more to that skill set than just identifying. So I don't think that deep learning is going to solve all of the problems with this procedure but perhaps it can be helpful.
2: I was gonna say, I'm actually excited about this. Um, I have a lot of people who are extremely experienced in vascular access um, in the pre-hospital setting, but less experienced with ultrasound. And I think this is that's the great combination right there, right? Where the procedure itself is easy, but the ultrasound interpretation does bring on a lot of angst to people because it's a new skill and a new technology. And if they can have some computer confirmation that what they're looking at is right, especially when you don't have necessarily um, your expert faculty readily available with you and you're having to use teleguidance or um, remote guidance, that AI can be helpful to confirm what you thought when you're a relatively new ultrasound user.
0: One last limitation I wanted to bring up is that I was a little bit surprised that the area under the curve was on the low side, comparing ultrasound experts to another expert. These were all really experienced POCUS experts. And to find out that just labeling the anatomy on a forearm was only an area under the curve of 0.7, I mean, I know that's still that's pretty good, but I was a little surprised. And I think maybe one explanation is that static images are a little bit difficult compared to being able to scan back and forth, look at different uh, axes and planes and figure out what an object is. So that could be a limitation of this, that in the hands of an expert where you get to move the probe around and see things however you want and use your knobs to optimize it, you may be a little more accurate than this study where they just had static images they had to put boxes around can really portray
2: yeah i think the image manipulation is so crucial to interpretation the ability to manipulate it yourself Um, i know we see that when we do image review and uh, quality assurance is that if only i could xyz with this image i would have much more confidence in your interpretation Um, and i don't know if the same is true for machine i think the the algorithms probably do better with more static images um, And so it'd be interesting to see how the algorithm does compared to an expert with live video.
0: You know, in support of using deep learning, it was really impressive that they were able to train this with just clips that they found on the internet. Like these are just, they didn't collect them prospectively and make sure they were perfect. They just took whatever they could get, kind of crowdsourcing it almost, which I think lends to the feasibility of this project saying that you can build it with open access code and clips that you can find on the internet. So maybe you could do even better if you make sure that you're getting super high quality images going in and get somebody to design other programming. I don't know. I just think it's it's really cool how they did it with what's available already.
2: And I think if anybody is super interested in AI, I'm just going to make a small pitch for the AUS fellow hangout we did a couple months ago um, where we got to talk to some experts in the field about how they develop AI and a lot of it is garbage in garbage out Um, I thought that was a really interesting discussion because the ultrasound part I'm comfortable with but this high advanced technology it's it's intriguing but also very confusing and so I think what you're saying is true like the better the image quality the better the algorithm and if these are like indeterminate image quality or kind of all over the board, that could affect how well the machine performs, at least from my limited understanding of this technology. The higher quality images in, the better the algorithm is.
0: So let me summarize this study. This was a study that detailed the coding and training of a deep learning algorithm to identify sonographic anatomy necessary to perform an ultrasound guided peripheral IV. And comparing two POCUS experts to four different training methods for this DL algorithm, They found pretty comparable AUCs of 0.71 and 0.78. The experts and also the deep learning did slightly better when you look at vessels alone. Take-home points from this article. A deep learning algorithm was able to identify sonographic anatomy from images of normal upper extremities with accuracy similar to POCUS experts. More research is still needed to test deep learning on actual patients compared to clinical interpretations from people doing ultrasounds. Thanks so much to the authors. This is really fascinating, and I'm really looking forward to see where deep learning goes in the POCUS world. And thanks to you for listening to our podcast. In fact, I want to put another plug in for our 100th episode, which is coming up. We are so grateful for all the people that have supported this podcast over the years, and we want your voice to be part of our podcast. So the idea is we would love you to send us your dreams about point-of-care ultrasound research studies. What would you want to see? How? What are your ideas? I know that our audience is so creative and so talented, I would be very grateful to have some of that content on the podcast and maybe even spur some actual research projects into action so here's how you would do it record a less than one minute clip of yourself introducing yourself and your idea email it to me mike at ultrasoundgel.org, or you can contact us through the website and send it if you're a little bit shy or you don't have the capabilities to record you can always just send us a text email or a or message us on Twitter, and I would be happy to read it on your behalf on the podcast. But this isn't going to work unless you participate. Yes, you. So take some time. Just knock this out. It'll take you 60 seconds. We want to hear your voice. You can always go to ultrasoundgel.org to find out more about our podcast. Visit us on Facebook. Talk to us on Twitter. And until then, we will talk to you later. More. More.
1: Gell. More. Pressure. More. Gell. More. No, it was great. You did you know what? Don't sell yourself short.